1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, we're already approaching the close of this first month of 2023. What's it been like on the market? Well, you know, it's been an interesting month because it started off very quiet. I mean, if you remember, the kids didn't go back to school until the night, so that's almost a third of the month in. And things don't really take off until people settled into a routine. So it really didn't pick up until the 14th or 15th, and that's when we saw some activity in terms of showings for listings and and even offers on properties. So, uh, you know, it was a very quiet start. The first 10 days were really quiet and you know, as we close out the month, we're, we're starting to see some sales, but, you know, we also had the interest rate uh, announcement in there, and there was so much that happened in the last uh, 15 days or 20 days of the month that uh, it wasn't as strong a month as we've seen in the past years for January, but it, we do expect it to get the momentum to continue and, and move through uh, to the spring. And what are you hearing from your clients, buyers and sellers, and even your own agents, your own team? You know, we're starting to hear multiple offers, Tina. Uh, You know, there's not a lot of inventory, and this is what we've been saying. When there's not a lot of supply, you're going to see multiple offers, and that's not going to help with the affordability problem or or even the financial crunch that people are in because you've got, uh, you know, one of our agents had 11 offers on a property a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was early on in, in January, and but to have 11 offers, one, it says a lot about the property. I mean, obviously, people wanted this property. It showed very well, and, uh, and, and people were ready to jump at this property. But to have 11 properties in a market where people are saying that the bubble has burst or, or it's crashing now, it's, uh, it, it was one property. So we're not seeing every property get multiple offers, but we have heard from other realtors as well. And you know, following them on social media, we're seeing properties are receiving multiple bids already. Okay, so anyone who is listening to this show right now and they're thinking, oh, it's starting again, there will be multiple offers, I can get 100 or 200,000 over asking for my home. That's not what you're saying, are you? That is not, that's that is not what I'm saying. And, you know, this is what happens. You hear about these stories and, and then people ask their realtors to go out and get the multiple offers. But these are unique situations. And the one thing is, even with those 11 offers, but the one thing is people are not paying $100,000 over asking. Some of those offers may have been under asking. Uh, so we don't really know um, where this would have gone if it was two years ago, then you would have probably got 100000 over asking. But people are savvy. Banks are very careful. So even if you sold your house for $100,000 more, it's probably not going to appraise, and your deal is going to fall apart. So a lot of the sellers, you know, when, when they want prices from two years ago or three years ago, and they're setting their expectations, uh, you know, at sky high, even if they were to achieve those expectations, the bank may not appraise it. So you're going to go out and you're going to buy a house based on what you sold your house for. But then 
you're not going to be able to close on that new house because the appraisal for your current house, if it's a hundred or $200,000 over, it's not going to come in. And this is where we get into trouble. And this is where people get into trouble and get sued uh, because of false expectations. So, you know, talk to your realtor, make sure your realtor is setting the proper expectations and be careful. Even when you're accepting an offer, if it's high in the sky, it may be too good to be true. Okay, I've got to admit this 11 offer story uh, is very fascinating. So you're an experienced professional. How do you navigate that? How do you take all parties through this process fairly? It's, it's um, it, again, the expectations have to be set from the start. So you have to tell the other realtors or the other participants in this multiple offer how you're going to be handling it. So for me, usually I will say, listen, everyone's going to come in with their offers. I'm going to go back to everyone and say, you have a second chance. So everyone will come back and they will come back with uh, hopefully their best offer because at that point, out of the 11, it's really hard to navigate through 11 or 20 or 30 or 40 offers. And we'll narrow it down to three or four offers and say, you guys are the most serious. Um, so, you know, and they have to be pretty close. If someone is 40 or $50,000 off, then they're already eliminated. You don't want to keep playing that game and driving prices up to points where they're not going to appraise. Uh, so you take the, the most serious offers and, and you let them know that, okay, there's only two offers left and, and you want them to find out uh, what their strongest offer would be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're sending them back and asking them for more money. It could be a closing date to match what your sellers are looking for. It could be, uh, you know, conditions, maybe making them three days instead of five days so that the house is not taken off the market for the weekend. So there's so much that goes into the sale of a property that you want to make sure that you're doing the best for your sellers. And you know, for the listing agent, you're under contract by the seller. You, you, the seller has contracted you out to do what's best for them, and, and you have to do what's best for them. And if that means someone's coming in on a Wednesday and asking for a five-day condition, that's going to take the house off the market for the weekend because nobody is going to go and see it. So you may want them to shorten that to two or three days and have the inspection done and, and try to get their financing done so that you're not losing a weekend of sales. And in this market, you want to get as many people through your home as possible. And by taking a condition that's five days and eliminating a whole weekend out of it, you're just going to be sitting on the market for a longer time if one of those conditions is not met. Now, I know spring is not really just around the corner, but we can hope. What do you see in the months to come in terms of the market here in York Region? I think consumer confidence is going to get a boost over the next little while, and, and you're going to start to see a more normal type of market where we don't have the frenzy that we had at the beginning of 2022. And at the same time, we're not going to have the, the down market that we saw in November and December. So I think there's a, a happy median in there somewhere. You know, the Toronto market sold 75,000 homes last year. And that was down by almost 40% from our record-breaking 2021. So I, I'm not going to go out and say we're going to hit 120,000 sales or 100,000 sales, but I am going to go out and say we're probably going to end up between 85 and 90,000 sales. And that may be an unpopular opinion, but I, that's where I see the market going. We're going to have a slight uptick. It's not going to be huge or earth-shattering but we're going to have more sales this year than we did last year. And price is going to continue to climb. It's not going to be the 8.6% increase that we saw 
Last year, I'm predicting maybe a three or four percent increase in price, and that's a healthy increase. And you know, we've always had all of our healthy increases have been four percent, five percent, eight percent. But when you get into those double-digit increases that we saw in 2016 and 2017, then we had a reset, and we were down 3.3 percent for the next year. And then you know, we had the the 18 percent and 13 percent increases in 2020 and 2021. So then we had a reset, but because we didn't have a lot of inventory, it was still up 8.6%. Again, that's a healthy increase, and, and that's consistent with where we've been over the years uh, prior to these double-digit increases. All right, we'll be watching after the break, Building Inclusive Communities. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest. Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Daniele Zanotti, CEO of the United Way of Greater Toronto. Daniele, welcome to On the Market. Great to be here, Asif. Thank you. The United Way's latest research focused on building more inclusive communities. Daniele, tell us what the key takeaways were from this report. We've been doing neighborhood work for decades, Asif, and this report is needed now urgently more than ever. As we've stumbled out of COVID, stepped headlong into inflation, headlines of recession, as our front line of United Way agencies have been dealing with double-digit spikes in the number of families from York Region reaching out for help in paying mortgage or rent payments, not being able to put food in the fridge, this report speaks to what does it take to build inclusive neighborhoods in York Region. And when we say inclusive neighborhoods, we are talking about welcoming places where there's a diversity of opportunities for residents from different socioeconomic backgrounds with good infrastructure, good financial empowerment, jobs and stability, and stable housing. And this is particularly important, Asif, in York Region, where we are projected to grow by about 2 million residents by 2051. And currently, about 9% of households in York Region are living in poverty, a number that has continued to grow year over year. And we know that 50% of renters, 30% of homeowners, are spending well over 30% of their income on housing. And so this report gives nine tried and tested interventions to help us drive affordable housing, good jobs, and strong neighborhoods in York Region. Daniele, can you list those nine interventions for us? 
I can speak to many of those, absolutely, Tina. And I'll, I'll hone in on a few that are particularly impactful. So there's been success in community land trusts where nonprofit organizations purchase and hold land for affordable home ownership and rental. This has been happening in communities like Parkdale. I know it's being tested in areas like Newmarket, where those housing or land assets become community spaces. And that could come from buildings from municipal government or the region, but an opportunity to ensure that there is deeply affordable housing for those most in need with wraparound support. There's also opportunities for things like rental unit replacement, where there's no net loss. In other words, if there's affordable rental housing stock in York Region today, how do we ensure that in the face of renovation, conversion, or demolition, it's not lost? Because we know from our United Way research, like Vertical Legacy, that the most economic way to provide affordable housing is to preserve what we've already got. And then it talks about things like inclusionary zoning, where the municipalities are able to require or incentivize developers to provide a specific percentage of affordable housing in new developments. These are some of the interventions around housing. And then the report also speaks to a few around jobs, things like workforce agreements. We already have many of these in place at United Way in Regent Park or with the Eglinton Crosstown, where we partner with employers to ensure they are hiring from the community. In the Greater Golden Mile in Scarborough, United Way has partnered to build a joint construction venture, 49% owned by ACON, 51% owned by the community. And every construction job is, we are hiring locally from residents in the Greater Golden Mile. So these are interventions that work, that can be used in York Region or across the GTA that will help us build inclusive communities. And 2 million people by 2051, that's not that far away, but how are we going to, like how many houses do we need and, and what's in the plan for these affordable communities or self-sustained communities to be able to grow? And is it too much to ask for? Well, we've, we've, we are all hearing about the provincial bill to build affordable housing. And all of us would agree that there is immense need to continue to build. What United Way is interested in is to ensure that that continuum of housing includes deeply affordable housing for those individuals and families most impacted by poverty. And so we know levers, like noted in our recent research, tried and tested in Toronto, in Canada, and in North America, will provide us opportunity not only to 
make land available for affordable housing, but to find tools, economic tools for municipalities to help build and for developers and construction companies to find the workers they need. I think it is not a matter of whether we need housing. We can all agree we do. It's the question of what type of housing are we willing to build? And will that housing be inclusive for all of our neighbors, family, and friends? And that is going to take, as the research documents, not one single intervention, not one partner, government, agencies, business, or residents, but all of us working together to mitigate the risks of this housing crisis. And Daniele, what are the next steps? Uh, how do we ensure that this report does not just simply sit in someone's drawer and get ignored? Where do we go from here? United Way has been partnering with local agencies, all levels of government from the municipal to the region to the province, as well as with agencies and businesses to talk about these nine interventions and what is feasible, especially within the context that we're having this interview that your listeners exist now. Increase in immigration, the Bill 23, and the need for affordable housing in the face of inflation. And so as I said at the beginning, this report is coming out at the perfect time for us to convene a variety of partners, recognizing it is going to take all of us to contemplate together what might work for York Region between government, agencies, residents, and businesses. Otherwise, Asif, as you rightly say, this could be a report that sits on the shelf. There has never been more of a housing crisis than right now, and it's taken us decades to get into this affordable housing crisis. We have got to stop now to get out of this. For the 120,000 individuals in York Region who are living in poverty, for the increasing number of people in York Region who are struggling and paying way too much on rent or their mortgages and are one paycheck away from precarity, we have got to address this affordable housing crisis now. But as you said, it took decades to get into this, and there will not be a quick fix. Are you hopeful? I am indeed, Tina, and the reason I am hopeful is because I have seen through the COVID crisis moments when the community has come together in ways that we never would have before. Government, agencies, businesses rallying around a health pandemic. The lessons learned from that health pandemic need to be mirrored in what is a housing crisis an affordability pandemic. And I believe we have got the momentum, we've got tools, we've got people listening, 
And now we need to continue to push the will to build housing for all. And it's really important we don't confuse affordable housing with housing for people that are working and middle class. We need that, and we need a lot of that. But what this report talks to specifically is that group most impacted by poverty that live and work in York region, and they too need, deserve the human right of housing. And I do believe lessons learned, interventions provided in the report, and a will for people to listen and work, we have a moment to slowly start addressing this, recognizing, as you aptly said, it's taken us decades to get in, it is going to take us years to get out of this. But the best time to start in York region is now. It certainly is, and thank you for all your work with the report. If our listeners want to read up on the full report, where can they find it? They can find the report and some of our other work at unitedwaygt.org. Danielle, thanks so much for joining on the market and for detailing the findings of the report. A pleasure. Thank you. When we come back, your questions for Asif Khan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And we begin with Marta in Thornhill. She bought a pre-construction condo and is now worried with the change in interest rates that she may not be able to afford it. Asif, she is likely not the only one in this situation. What do you think? She is not, and this is something that's been concerning to a lot of people that bought pre-construction even the last two years. But Martha, one thing you can check is go back to the financial institution that did your financing or approved you for financing for this pre-construction condo because a lot of times builders have deals with financial institutions and and if you went through one of their lenders you may have a rate hold and, and that rate hold should be okay for two or three years depending on which bank did it so find out if you have a rate hold first and foremost and secondly you may want to uh just talk to your financial institution about how that's going to play out. Now, it also depends on when your closing is, because if you're still a year or two out, then it may be too early to worry about that, because we do anticipate rates to go down a little bit. Uh, but even when you were qualifying, you would have qualified through the stress test, and the stress test would put you at rates that are pretty much where we are right now. So it shouldn't be too much of a problem, but maybe talk to your financial institution, just find out, one, if you do have a rate hold, and two, what rate they qualified you at, because the stress test would have been two points above where they qualified you, and and you may be okay. Now, when we talk about this pre-construction scenario, you mentioned that if Marta had gone with the builder's preferred lender, is that your suggestion if you are purchasing a pre-construction unit? It really depends. I mean, there's a lot of financial institutions that do pre-construction and they do have rate holds. It depends on 
if you have a relationship with your bank. Um, there's so many different factors that would go into that. But if uh, some builders, uh, I mean, even now, some builders are saying that they will give you a, a mortgage for 3% on, on some of these pre-construction condos that will be built in the future. So uh, there's always different avenues available to you when you're purchasing pre-construction. You just have to do your homework and make sure you find the right one. You've also mentioned on this show about reassignment. What is that and could that help her out as well? Yeah, assignment certainly is an option and some builders will write that into the contract. It's something that you can purchase as an option or sometimes it's included where you can assign the condo. Now, when you're assigning a condo, there's there's a couple of things that you have to be aware of. One, you're going to be on the hook for the HST because you are no longer the end user. So you're going to have to pay the HST and the purchaser is going to have to pay the HST uh, in order for them to take on that assignment. There may be some legal fees involved in that and the big thing is price. There's uh, Right now it's really quiet for assignment sales because people don't want to pay a premium on something that's not even built yet. So you may not get full value for it right now on, on what you ended up paying previously because the assignment market is, is very quiet right now. Our next question comes from Josh in King. They are ready to sell the large family home, but worry that this may not be the best time to be on the market. What options do they have to get the best selling price for their property? Asif, what's your advice on this one? Well, certainly with the interest rate hikes over the last year, the, the one segment of the market that we did see take a, a, a little bit more of a, a step back than some of the other segments was the larger detached or executive homes, luxury homes, uh, because people were just not qualifying with the higher rates. So I would suggest that, um, well, one, you want to be on when there's not a lot of inventory in your segment. So if there's not a lot of properties in your area that are up for sale right now and you're the only game in town, people are going to be looking at your property if they're interested in that. The other thing, it's going to take a while longer to sell. And it's just the way the market is right now. Once the the, the townhouses and semis get going, these are the people that are moving up to the detached homes. That So it's a little bit longer in the process uh, for the detached homes to start taking off. So you may want to wait until the spring market hits. Maybe there'll be some sort of easing with the interest rate hikes or at least a rate hold that will bring some consumer confidence back and really help with your sales. Is there anything that Josh and family could be doing right now to prepare the home to sell and sell quickly? Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of housekeeping issues that you can take care of, painting, making sure the windows are clean, making sure there's curb appeal. Uh, of course, with right now with the snow and everything, it's going to be a little more difficult. But as we move closer to the spring, you want to make sure that your house shows perfectly from when people arrive to your doorstep all the way inside through the house. So painting, decluttering, making sure that any little uh, minor things are taken care of, that's a perfect time for you to be working on this right now. And what about, you know, you mentioned the snow, et cetera. Early spring, this back end of winter, it's not the best time to showcase the outdoors or that part of your home. How do you polish that up to really showcase it really well and to attract a potential buyer? 
lots of lighting, making sure that um, it, it's it's uh, it, it, even with the snow, you want to make sure the snow is shoveled properly and it showcases your walkways or your driveway. So there's a lot that you can do. I mean, obviously, right now with the colder temperatures, you can't paint the garage doors and you can't paint the door trims or anything like that. But you want it as clean as possible if you are. And, you know, this is a perfect time. We joke around, but it's a perfect time that if your grass isn't maintained perfectly or, or immaculately, you know, the snow might be the best time for you to sell your property because <laughs> people aren't looking at that and thinking they're going to have to resod or seed. So, uh, you know, there, there are advantages to selling in the snow, and that would be one of them. But uh, making sure that it's clean, well-lit, uh, that usually adds to a winter sale. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, send your email anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Tina, they can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.